This week in Retronauts, Game Boy is for the mainstream losers. everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retronauts. I'm Jeremy Parrish, hosting this week, talking about handheld systems. With me here to say good and bad things, we have... It's Bob Mackey. Shane Bettenhausen. Christian Nutt. Wow! And we're going to talk about portable systems. Um, but not we, the ones you own. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, we're going to be all hipster on you. And uh, I've got my emo glasses. Um, Shane's listening to some Fallout Boy. That's not even hip. Yeah, I don't Only one know. of us I has no, a real beard. Well, that, that's why that's why it's it's hipster because it's not cool. Oh. So you're you're saying no, it is cool because I'm listening to it. Are you saying Game Gear isn't is too mainstream for this episode as well? Actually, yeah. Yeah. It's sold in America. Yeah, okay. And sold fairly well. It had a TV tuner too. It had it Sonic. Games. Nothing nothing is more populist than the television. All right, all right. Um so yeah, in our DS episode that we recorded recently, published recently, uh, we talked about um, kind of a little bit of the history of the DS and how in the 1990s, Nintendo basically ran roughshod over the portable market. There was about a 10-year period where they had pretty much no competition. Like when Game Boy launched, the Lynx launched immediately after and died horribly. And then Sega launched the Game Gear and it did pretty well. And, you know, it, it held up for a few years. But by the mid-90s, Game Boy was just kind of riding its own little wave, and no one else was competing. Pokemon put the fucking nail in everybody's coffin. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, but it is kind of weird because, you know, there was this period where even Nintendo wasn't really doing that much in handhelds. Like, yeah. us, if, if, it not, if it hadn't been for Pokemon, like, we probably would have... Not had the Game Boy Color. In the were working on successors. There was Virtual Boy, which, yeah, no. Um, mm. And they were also working on Project Atlantis. And I think, you know, they knew it wasn't quite ready for primetime, which is why they pushed it back until it became Game Boy Advance five years later. Um, and Pokemon let them do that. They gave them that la- it gave them that latitude. Well, but- and I'll say the, the delay in release of Pokemon from Asia to the West also kind of gave them a nice cushion of time. Like you know, Game Boy was still incredibly popular in the West and had been out for a long time. I wouldn't you know? say it was incredibly popular. Like people bought it because. What else was there as a portable system that you could take on the road? By 1998, I was working. Yeah, I was working at retail. I think Christian was too. The holiday that Pokemon Red and Blue came out oh, sure, in sure. America, and that was, was that was big. But that was also when Game Boy huge. Color launched in America. No, up in no. yes, Pokemon. 19, Pokemon came out 19, before Game Boy. 1998. But the, the physical. I remember specifically, like the the. It's true, but there was a lag. Like the Game yeah. Boy Color came out after Pokemon. Yeah, actually but it was like launched. a month. Right. I'm saying you're talking about the holiday season. That was the holiday right. that had Game Boy Color and Pokemon. Right, but when Pokemon first came out, you didn't need. Game but there was there was a ma- Game I mean, Boy Color. We, we're not doing a Pokemon episode. <laughs> right. Let's this do is a actually, Game Boy argument episode because that's <laughs> this is actually what we're doing just right setting now. the stage for what I'm about to talk about. Right. So you know, in 2004, uh, PlayStation Portable came out. Shane, you know all about that. Yeah, that's that's your thing now because you're Sony. You're I, the man. I, I am. Um, but like I'm, I'm, I'm saying basically that 10 year period. 1994, when Game Gear kind of phased out to 2004, yeah. there was no real competition for Game Boy. It's crazy to think about that now because that's uh-huh. such a crowded space and at this point. it's also pre-mobile phone, right. so there was, right. no, there was, there was no, no impetus to competition try to do better. For yeah. Game Boy, except, except the two systems we're going to talk about in this episode, which completely and utterly failed to put any kind of dent in Nintendo's market share. But at least someone was trying, mostly in Japan, but someone was trying. 
And those two things are Game Boy's uh, rival Neo Geo Pocket Color and its other rival, more of a successor really in some senses, the Wonderswan. And um, those were released, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, respectively by SNK and Bandai, both of whom had quite a bit of history in video game development. And especially uh, in Bandai's case and in the, in the portable space, they've been one of Game Boy's staunchest supporters through the years with all their licensed games. Is, um, is Wonderswan the worst name for a system next it's to FM Towns Dream, Marty? It, it, you know, Dreamcast came out around the same time. Yeah, it was a weird era. That was kind of like a, yeah, like the 90s were a time of hope and happiness where dumb things could happen. We weren't cynical yet. It's True. hard to remember this, but like... PlayStation was a weird ass name yeah, that when is true. it came You're out. Right. Like yeah. it was just like the nineties. I mean, were... Nintendo sixty four was actually kind of like that was a pretty expected title. Like that's what you thought a video game system would be named. It was like here's the company name and here's the defining feature of this system. It's Nintendo and it's sixty four bits. PlayStation, yeah, it was like it's the opposite of a is workstation. This, it's where, is this where I go to? Yeah, it's to the opposite play? of a workstation. It's I never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is like, which is also a phrase we don't actually use anymore. Yeah, Saturn, <laughs> like it's some weird concept. Sure, why not? Genesis worked too. Let's. Hmm. You mentioned the Neo Geo Pocket Color without mentioning the Neo Geo Pocket, which oh, well, is where this all began. Yeah, it's 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 hard to mention Neo Geo Pocket without jumping immediately right. to Color. Well, but I think I think we should jump first into Neo Geo. Well, like younger we're going people... to we're going to break this episode into two halves. The first half will okay. be Neo Geo, right. and the second half will be Wonder Swan. Because I think you know Neo Geo and then the Neo Geo CD and Neo Geo CDZ, the home versions of the Neo Geo Arcade. Don't forget the Neo Geo sixty four. Well, they well, never, they never had a home version. So around, <laughs> around this era, like you know, Neo, like SNK had been like using this legacy hardware for a really long time. You know, they, they, it was they, almost ten years old by yeah, the they, time it they, launched they, in early 1990. Right, and they were still making you know here and there new games for Neo Geo hardware in the arcades. And then suddenly they announce a like their own Game Boy, this Neo Geo Pocket for Japan that's going to play cute, super deformed versions of your favorite Neo Geo franchise. So, so here's the thing that is interesting to me, which is that. The Neo Geo brand represented the premium quality. It was the yeah. top of the line experience. You're a real hot dog. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Neo Geo sold entirely on the fact that here is your home console that can play a game that is exactly, it is not a port of the arcade system. It is exactly the same as the arcade game. This is amazing. It's expensive, but by God, it's totally worth it. It's also six hundred dollars. Yeah. Games are one hundred fifty dollars. And but, at the you time, know, it's it's going to be worth it, guys. Who cares? It's Cybermorph or not Cybermorph? Um, what was what was the game? Cyberlip. Cyber yes, it's, <laughs> it's thirty minutes long. Like, it's going to be a game that you play over and over again because it's so amazing. You can play Nom seventy five over and over. You guys are a little bit older than me, but when I saw those games in like catalogs and at stores, that was an impossible amount of money. I was like, no one could ever have that no, much was, money at yeah, once. It was impossible, it was impossible for, for me. Yeah. I knew one guy who had it, and he was really rich. I never actually got to play a home Neo Geo until after, like, it had not totally crashed, but, like, my friend got one when you could start picking them Man, up for I, cheap, you know. Like. That is one system I have never owned, and I never will. I just I, – I can't I can't justify it. It's still it's, pricey? It, uh, yeah. Okay. I have not some, some of the it. games for that system, like, there, right. are, there are certain titles that – like yeah, you would and, have to get a mortgage. And the home, mortgage. the home versions, because you know you can buy like the arcade board version or the right. actual cartridge, and the home versions are way more expensive. Yeah, I mean like Metal Slug, There's some of the some of the some of the old Metal Slug games before the the you know the series really took off and became famous. Like those games sell for thousands of dollars. Wow. There's also it's some in, weird. We're not getting into it. It's not what this is about. There's there was some weirdness with the fandom online that resulted in some of the games even getting like. Harder to find because of they were they were mutilated by uh, cl- like this collectors and stuff. There's weird stuff. Huh. Going on. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that was what Neo Geo was about. 
But that's not what Neo Geo Pocket was about. And that's good because as Nintendo's competitors in the handheld space had proven, going premium on handhelds was not really a good idea. And I mean, you, sorry, Shane, you even kind of see that with PlayStation Vita. It's, it is an amazing little system, but it just like that's not what people necessarily want in a handheld. They want convenient. They want cheap. They want, you know, just I just want to play a video game on the go, basically. Well, and, and Game Boy had provided that. Game Boy was like the bare minimum that a game needed in order to be playable and enjoyable. It would have been interesting had SNK tried to make the Neo Geo of handheld systems. It would have, it would have been <laughs> an even bigger flop than Neo right. Geo Pocket had. Had they made one that was like, you know, the top of the yeah, line. Yeah, it was like a $400 handheld system. Right. That would have just... Instead. Like Neo Geo Pocket didn't do great, but... Like, it's fondly remembered. It, yeah, they they by more people than would remember that. This is something I would say about both Wonderswan and Neo Geo Pocket is that they were created by people who stopped and and looked at why other competitors to Game Boy had failed and said, "Let's not do that. Let's actually try to take on Nintendo on its own terms." And you know that that makes sense with Wonderswan because it was designed by the creator of Game Boy and he was just bringing his philosophy forward. But Neo Geo, it actually represented you know, the complete opposite of SNK's strategy with Neo, the Neo Geo brand. I mean, it was, it was a big step away. Though, what they did do was make it more powerful enough than the Game Boy to actually support action games that were yeah. speedy and responsive. They gave it the clicky stick controller. Which they borrowed they from were, the Neo Geo CD yep. home system, which right. is a really good like, analog and, stick. An attempt to make like, it, like an arcade stick in a D-pad format, and it's unique and totally great. And they sort of tried to, I guess, split the difference, and they actually succeeded. Yeah, I would say what what they did with Neo Geo was adopt the Game Boy philosophy of just good enough. And they said, let's make the good enough that we're aiming for a higher level. Let's, yeah, slightly let's aim for not, – not even slightly. I mean it was a significantly more powerful system. The animation system. was a lot better. The screen quality was better. Yeah. The animation was better. Sprites were bigger. It had, more, it had more layers of or, um, shades of gray. And then yep. you know, when it went color, it had a lot more color than Game Boy Color did. Yep. Um, it, was, it was still a premium experience, but it was premium within the context, within the, the mm-hmm. boundaries of that were what worked – that worked with yeah. Nintendo. It was a really, really smartly designed system. And physically, to that point, it was the best piece of portable hardware. It, that it also launched with multiple colors for the shell, which mm-hmm. was kind of before Nintendo had done that. No, Nintendo yeah. had the Play It Loud series in right, like but 1995. At, but at launching a new platform with new color, with color options. Yeah, I think they just wanted to get cut straight to the chase and, yeah. and be like, yes, you can have your weird blue camouflage or your pure right. silver – and I think, you know, I'd have to look back. You know, none of us imported a Neo Geo Pocket from Japan. Well, it didn't last very long. I it mean, it was long. not long before they said they are going to do the right. Well, I mean, the Neo Geo Pocket launched in Japan one week after the Game Boy Color launched in Japan. So That's kind of funny. <laughs> it's funny and sad. Like, yeah. they, they did everything right. But what they failed to account for is the fact that Nintendo finally got off its ass and said – all right, let's improve Game Boy and make a color system, the one that everyone's been asking for. Right. And they also released a backlit Game Boy that year in Japan, the Game Boy Light. It never came to the U.S. But it was like they finally, after almost 10 years, said, oh, yeah, we should probably remedy these problems that people have been complaining about. So the Game Boy Color was twice as powerful, twice as fast as the original Game Boy and supported like 50 shades of color or 50 different colors on screen at once. Um, but it still wasn't as powerful as the Neo Geo Pocket. However, Neo Geo Pocket launched black and white and immediately just looked like a last-gen system compared to Game Boy Color. So within six months, the Game Boy Pocket Color or uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color came out. 
I do remember you know the NGP being aggressively priced. It was it was, it was. you know it was not more expensive than the Game Boy Color. It was cheaper. And the games were pretty cheap too, I think. Yeah, I mean, they were. it was priced comparably. Yeah. So it was a... The games were 30 to 40, if I recall. So okay. like some of the, like the, I think Magic the Millennium might have been 40. Yeah, I think Gals Fighters, like some of the, the bigger and more impressive games were, were a little more expensive. games were like 30, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think some of them were 20, actually. I think like Pac-Man was 20. You're right. But... Um, well, that's but, but, it, it you didn't know. have some interesting licensed stuff. It had Pac-Man. It had Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, but yeah. let's uh, let's talk about the hardware first because that you know you know even though it went through a uh, an internal hardware revision, the the shell of the system never really changed. The Neo Geo no. Pocket and the Neo Geo Pocket Color are basically the same shell, the same. Like they feel the same, they they have yeah. the same interface. Uh, they just changed the guts and the screen. And, and it's comfortable, and it's kind of nothing else has quite been that shape. I, and also, when they redesigned, like in Japan, there's a redesigned Neo Geo Pocket Color, and we have oh, one. Really? I've it's never seen it's one not of those. redesigned because, like, if you see photos online, you will not realize it's redesigned. It's like ten percent smaller in all dimensions, but exactly the same. So, wow. like, you, unless you have them physically next to each other, you don't notice that huh. that, that, that it's actually a redesign. Is the screen still the same size? Yeah. Or is, is it also yeah. smaller? The screen's the same size. Okay. So it's just like they basically. It's actually really nice. We bought, like, uh, my husband, Fran Chesco, had never, I was going to say Fran, had never played Neo Geo Pocket Color before because it didn't really make a dent in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, I introduced it to him when he moved to America, and uh, suddenly he's like, oh, I want to get my own. You well, that, that's interesting because the Neo Geo Pocket actually was released in Europe. It was. The Neo it, Geo Pocket, the black and white one, was released in oh, Japan, really? and it was released in Europe, hmm. and then uh, it never came to the U.S. until they released the color version. That came out a few months after the, the Japanese color version. I think it was probably, I don't know, but like until we get to the like modern era of like Sony and stuff, like I think Europe was way more fractured in terms of what got distributed where and how Yeah, that's probably true. So... I know the UK had the Neo Geo products. I don't know what other countries That could did. be it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, UK was treated differently than continental Europe, yeah. even, you know, like by Nintendo. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I love, like, I, will, I will say that I love the physical format of the Neo Geo Pocket. It's it's just the right size to be comfortable. It's horizontal. It, has, it, it, it yeah. is a horizontal, yeah, it has like the Game Gear layout, but it's much smaller than the Game Gear. It still Gear. has the 4.3 screen, much, kind of square screen. Yeah, it's, it's um, actually the dimensions of the screen are almost exactly the same as Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color, or the, the pixel proportions, is uh, 160 by 144. Neo Geo Pocket is 160 by 152. It only has two face buttons, right? It does. Yeah. And that, yeah. So that, that was a limitation. That that um that kind of gets in the in the way of um, metal metal slug because to throw grenades you have to press the start button, which is uh-huh. the one bad button on the system. It's yeah. like this soft rubbery button, and it doesn't work very well. But everything else about the system, like the the stick especially, is is really really nice. It doesn't have shoulder buttons. I mean, you know, it definitely feels like an 8-bit system kind of in that, that 90s era where it, they it hadn't did, started thinking, like, what can we add I remember to when system? I did get mine, you know, the, when, when, it came out, when it came out here as a color one, I immediately did like it, but it felt a little out of time, you know, but in a good way. But I could tell that it, it probably it wasn't. It wasn't forward-thinking. It right. Was forward I, I knew as soon as I got it, I had the feeling like this isn't long for the world. I already knew that, didn't right. you? Yeah. Like, uh, kind of. I mean, I knew it wasn't long for the world just because there was – very poor distribution for it, and not well, a lot of developer support. That bad. Dis- I mean, yeah, it was at, at every EB when when Neo Geo Pocket Color first launched. Mm-hmm. It was an online retail. Oh yeah, that exclusive. I forgot about that. That yeah. that and that was weird. Like that was 1999. Yeah. Like people didn't shop online that much. I'd I'd been doing it for a few years because I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. But like you know, Amazon.com was still not a thing that was just where you bought your stuff. Yeah. Right, that's true. I forgot that was on the yeah. And it wasn't even like you could go buy it through ebgames.com or amazon.com. Like you had to buy it through Neo Geo's US distributor online. Yeah, that was so it took idea. it took a long time for that system to kind of 
get out. And it wasn't until um, the Dreamcast launch and Sonic Pocket Adventure, which had a, a link cable connection to right. Sonic Adventure. Well, and, and, the, and the Sega SNK team-up was kind of interesting because there were a few things. There was the Sonic game for it, and there was also, as you said, the match of the Millennium uh, crossover Yeah, game. well, no, there's the yeah, SNK Capcom. There's like This is a thread that's going to go through, I think, both these halves of mm-hmm. the show. But for right now, to focus on, like, I think there was probably this desire on the parts of companies, not just hardware companies, but software companies, to get away from Nintendo on the handheld. Like, Nintendo has such a fucking lock on it that I can't imagine that they were very... We know Nintendo played hardball back when it was, like, in Mm -hmm. control. And I think there was this eagerness. You know, SNK and Capcom are both uh, in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And I think... And they also had this... They were trading staff. People were leaving and going back and forth. They're working the fighting games. They had this... You know, they sort of teased each other with, like, Dan Hibiki and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, they had a kind of a rivalry going. And and then when they joined forces and made SNK versus Capcom, its first iteration, like, was the Neo Geo Pocket Match the Millennium, which was actually a great, great game. And I think that... Yeah, it was was a crazy piece of fan service because it really catered to both... Capcom and SNK fans. Like, it had mm-hmm. mini-games that were based on Ghost and Goblins. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, it was crazy. It was, it was like, no one did fighting game crossovers right. like that before. You had, you know, the Marvel superheroes versus X-Men, but right. that was that was not fighting game versus fighting game. That was fighting game versus comic book and franchise. Then, you know, to get ahead of ourselves, we also get to Cardfighters Clash, which is probably the greatest mm-hmm. game for this platform, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing tie-up of these two companies. And God, did we play that a lot, both separately and together. Yeah. We could talk about that. But, like, one thing I want to mention really quickly, which is that... The press took notice of the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and that doesn't sound remarkable, except that if you remember at the time, like, the press pretty much ignored the Game Boy. Like, I remember, like, even Game Boy Color, like, the press just didn't care. Like, it was not a thing that you can cover. I remember GameSpot at the time, like, I was writing for GameSpot as a freelancer, and... Um, everyone knows uh, the table might be familiar with anyway, like, uh, Cameron uh, Gazunta, Mm -hmm. who's a big portable game fan and like he was freelancing for GameSpot and he was trying to convince them that like they should review and they were like no we will not pollute our site by reviewing with numbers portable games like they are for children like they are not a thing that that sounds like like such a a 90s GameSpot it's such a it's such a like a like GameSpot was sort of dominated by like the sort of the, the the smart guy PC gamers of the era which is sort of a 90s thing like you know like but so he had to launch like a separate section on the site that like covered portable games but without scores it was verboten to give a GameSpot score to like a portable wow. game but like people started noticing like Neo Geo Pocket Color like how good Match Millennium was how good Card Fighters Clash were like people started paying attention to portable games yeah, I know EGM mm-hmm. loved it yeah. from my time reading EGM yeah and you know by that point um, for myself personally I wasn't in the press at that point but um, I'd kind of you know I bought an N64 bought a PlayStation and was really into the games that were progressive, pushing games into 3D space. But I really started to, to notice the lack of good 2D games on, on those systems. And, like, you know, that was really disappointing to me because I hadn't, I hadn't bought into the idea that 3D graphics made 2D obsolete. And, you know, stuff like Tomba and Castlevania Symphony of the Night and, you know, the Mega Man games and whatever. Like, I loved those. And... They were really, really hard to find on uh, on on the the consoles, and they were honestly, for the most part, when you saw games like that on Game Boy Game Boy Color, they were pretty crappy. But but here was Neo Geo Pocket that was kind of like this little tiny love letter to to those genres. They the you know the hardware again was just good enough to make it feel like I wasn't compromising. You know, like when you played the Game Boy Color version of Turok 
and <laughs> uh-huh. it's taking or yeah, but it, you know it's yeah. taking or Perfect Dark or whatever, and it's taking these games uh, that were so innovative and and you know impressive looking on on N sixty four or whatever, and turning them into this sad little badly designed like just shovel it out the door kind of game design, like that was that was terrible. It was just kind of an insult. But yeah. then there was SNK who was saying no no no. No, like these are the games we do in the arcade, and we're going to put the same amount of love, the same amount of care, and 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 just passion for great game design into these little tiny versions. Like they're small and they have fewer colors, and the graphics aren't as nice, but they're still great. Right? They weren't shitty downports, and like I think that's one of the things. It's like the Neo Geo Pocket library feels like this curated, you know, selection of really good versions of of fun traditional games, whereas Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and DS. Because there's just so much content, 80% of it is garbage. Oh, yeah. And you yeah, don't I'm, have to I'm wait. not looking forward to getting to like some of those licensed yeah. platformers in Game Boy World. Like, it's going to be garbage. There's almost no garbage to wade through right. on Neo Geo. Occasionally you'll get something that's a little not so great like Puzzle Link 2 or something. You know, Puzzle Link 2 is good. It's what okay. are you talking about? Right? It's okay. It's good. But, yeah, in general, like you can buy 15 Neo Geo Pocket games and get really good games. The only thing you have to worry about on that is, like, and we'll kind of get to this, I guess, as a history. Dovetails with the history is uh, all the slot machine games and stuff. Yeah, that those, were, those were pretty much just in Japan. Like, those no, didn't really. Cherry 7. There, there were a few that came to the U.S., but the, the majority of those stayed in Japan. Yeah, but I mean, it will. We're not necessarily limiting right. the games we might play on this. Okay, fair well, But it's funny, as we're, like, trending towards, oh, it's the beginning of the console, I'm already in my mind getting ready for the quick denouement, because much like Dreamcast and a few other platforms, this one was euthanized. I mean, yeah. like, way oh, before yeah. its time. Oh, my it God. Died, it died really early. Right. And so we'll, like, we'll talk about that right, later. But, but usually by the, you know, by the time of some of these games we're talking about, like Card Fighters Clash, Gal Fighters, the end was already nigh. Like, the whole length of this, the life of this platform is, what, like, 18 months? It's it's really short. Yeah, it's very short. Maybe from, not from even the, from the U.S. launch to the discontinuation of the U.S. version was about one year. Especially like if you count the time it like launched in like actual retail stores. Yeah, right. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if you want to get that, the, yeah, that, that was that was no time at all. I mean, but but to go back to talk about the games. Like yeah, to go back lineup? to talking about the games. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't even care about the launch lineup. It, it, it's such a short life. It seems kind of stupid. To it almost all is like a launch lineup. It, yeah. it, it, <laughs> it was a launch window, and that was the end. Then they close the window. But do you feel like but, there's, but like the the thing, sec- there's like the a second generation, you know, like yeah, towards but the, the end. But the thing, about, the thing about Neo Geo Pocket that I really appreciated was, you know, getting back to that quality, it felt like when Sacknoth and SNK and uh, – not Aruze, um, you know, all the other – Yumi Kobo, like when they, when they sat down and made games for Neo Geo Pocket, they said – how is this game going to best work on a portable system? It wasn't like how can we cram this down into and make it fit into a handheld, but rather how can we build this to take advantage of the the, the platform and really work within the limitations of a two-button system? Unlike, say, Street Fighter Two for Game Boy. Right. Like that was not good. And – on, uh, on on Neo Geo Pocket fighting games, you know, uh, SNK had the four button attack system, and they brought over you know Capcom fighters that had a six button attack system. Like it's difficult to think how is that going to work on the system, but they they figured it out. They said you know, um, I, I think some people had done this before on Game Boy, but um, they basically said you know if you tap the button, you do a light attack. If you hold it down, like if you press firmly, then it's a strong attack. And it, it actually it actually makes sense in terms of gameplay because, you know, when you're just tapping, you're committing to a light attack. When you're holding down, like, those attacks have more, you know, wind-up time and, and delivery time. So, it, it, it like, it lo- it's logical. It, it reads. It, it scans onto the moves that you're performing. And, like, to me, that is just really indicative of the thought they put into making the system work. Yeah, they, they were concerned with getting the gameplay to be 
as close as they could, getting the visuals to be readable and perceptible. Like, mm-hmm. most of these, all the fighting games have, like, SD characters. Yeah. Like, they don't have, like, that thing that they would try to, developers would try to do on the Game Boy, which was, like, badly approximate, like, the arcade games in, in, in painful ways. Like, yeah, Mortal Kombat for Game Boy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not an it's not an arcade port, but the Donkey Kong Land games are kind of the yeah. the very definitive version of this, where they it's take like a bad photocopy. Yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly what it looks like. Yep. They're yeah, like, exactly. let's let's scan this down instead of redrawing the graphic. Let's right. just take out as many colors as we can and kind of create these yeah. indistinct blobs. Whereas, you know, for this, they probably could have tried to recreate Metal Slug as it was, but instead, they're like, let's make it a little smaller and make a new original Metal Slug right. based on Metal yeah, Slug. Yeah, the two Metal Slug games for game uh, for Neo Geo Pocket are not based on the arcade game right, directly. Called first and second mission. Yeah, yeah, like they are like they're bite-sized. They have these tiny little mes- missions, little little tiny levels and uh, it's kind of like old school NES games where there's like links between levels and depending on how you complete a level, you get a, a link to a different area. And so you play the game differently. Like how many soldiers did you rescue this time? Oh, you go to this mission or how many times did you die? You go to that mission. It's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of depth to these little tiny games yeah. even though you don't have the Really extensive, lengthy missions that are in the arcade versions. It's something that works better on the, the portable system. I mean, you know, there probably are a, a few too many fighting games for this platform, and not enough single player. I, I would say it would be fine if, if the system had lasted a few years longer, like spread those out. But yeah, cram, right. crammed into eighteen months. It's kind well, of because towards the end we started to get more unique stuff, more mm-hmm. RPGs and strategy games, and as I was alluding to, more licensed content. You know, you, you do find Pac Man. Well, that, that was an early game. Tactics Ogre. That was Sonic's first non-Sega appearance. Is that true? Wait, was no you, Tactics Ogre. No, was it Ogre Battle? Or was it Ogre yeah, Battle? Ogre Battle. Ogre Battle. Yeah, 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 the Knight of Zenobia. Didn't come out here. Right. Um, that might have been Sonic's first non-Sega appearance on a platform. Hmm. There was a weird. Yeah. And it was a bundle. There was there a Sonic Hedgehog. That's right. That's right. It goes back to what I was saying. They, they had this weird willingness to these companies. Like Sega, of course, was doing its own hardware still, but they they wanted to align themselves with someone who was not Nintendo, maybe, and like sort of there, you know, is an attempt like let's help each other against what we're fighting. Well, that wasn't Nintendo and wasn't Sony. Yeah. Right. Because well, we'll get to that in a second, but because the Wonder Swan is the weird PlayStation. That's true. That's well, true. And I think Lakes. one of the strangest things to come out on Neo Geo Pocket Color is the the the, Meg, the Rockman fighting arcade games. Only yes. place they've ever oh, wow. been released, and that no, is, no that they is, were in the compilations. No, for PS2. The only place they were ever ported, ported. As, right. like created a home version right, right, of, right. I guess, because those compilations as a standalone arcade. release. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I bought that. I was eight. Oh, it's really hard to find now. Well, I yeah. sold it. Also, the oh. thing I did a few years ago is I sold. It's not all that my, hard to find. I've, I've, I, see, I see that in Japan. Every I couldn't find it. It was it was a super potato. This past time I was there. No, I was a big Neo Geo Pocket fan, and I actually bought a lot of the weird games. And the other game I owned, like, I think the fun thing to talk about in these episodes is kind of the stories. Like, I remember, like, Shane and I worked together the day we found out the Neo Geo Pocket was well, going they, to be they announced, I don't know if you guys remember, like, they announced that they were going to be pulling Neo Geo Pocket Color from s- store shelves in North yeah. America. Yeah, I mean, dead. yeah, that w- it, it was basically um, uh, Aruze, a um, pachinko. pachinko company, yeah. bought SNK. 
and said, "Yeah, we're done with America. We're not. We're not messing." And with we're the basically West at all. done with the NGO pocket. Like they, they didn't right. completely finish with it. They let it sort of they, peter let, out. they let they let it fizzle in Japan. But here it was right. Like like they they cut it off. And I mean, a few, there were games that just shipped. There were there were a few yeah. games that were in the distribute in the distribution channel to be released. Uh, Fossile a strategy RPG is one of those, and it had even seen a European release that was set for like one month out. And they said, "You know what? We don't care. Like that game." It's just – it's not they going stung. to – Well, the other thing is – the weird thing about Neo Geo Pocket Color is that the cartridges were reprogrammable at the factory. Like mm-hmm. they were, once they were manufactured, they were actually rewritable. Mm-hmm. So what they did – and this is – I don't know if this is actually yeah, that, true. that was one of the things they – the little innovations so they didn't have to have battery backup. You could just save directly onto the cart. So the, it was kind of like a PlayStation memory card, I guess, right. eff- effectively. But like the thing that, that result, – the result it had was RZA was like, let's just yank back all the American hard like hardware and cartridges. Since the hardware is 100 percent literally the same, the cartridges were rewritable. We'll, we'll rewrite them with Japanese games and, and release them in the Japanese market. Hmm. So that's what happened. And uh, my understanding is I remember hearing that they were going to actually start using the New Geo Pocket as prizes at, like, their pachinko parlors. And they wanted <laughs> oh, the hardware. I heard that they were – I mean, this is, you know, just internet it's speculation, I'm sure. The time. Right, but that they wanted to um, pilfer the screens from the systems and use them for their pachinko machines. Oh. Hmm. So, like basically to use Neo Geo Pocket hardware to power the 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 that's almost as tragic as the machines. way Valis ended up. <laughs> yeah. So well, I would say less. So, but I was there's, there's was, no un, unwanted second. But it's because you're saying we ran to the mall to buy. Yeah, Neo like Geo we, Pocket we were working games. at Gamers.com at the time. Um, our, the site that doesn't exist anymore that we worked together on. It kind and of mutated into one-up, sort of. Kind sort of. of. We rushed, like, we on our lunch breaks, we all, like, hopped in the mall. Like, we r- ran to EB, and I guess... There was a kiosk at Hilltop Mall that randomly sold Neo Geo Pocket games. And we also went to Best Buy, I remember, and we tried to see, like, what's left on the shelves before they yank the stuff back and get rid of it. Uh, it's weird. I, like, this had no retail presence anywhere around me. There was, like, one software, et cetera, that had these games in the system, but it was on an end cap, like, with N64 accessories. Like, I'll just put it over there, because I think they, they even knew, like, this thing is going to die soon. So That's let's not give it attention. I, I actually saw Neo Geo Pocket for the first time in person uh, as a – or not not in person but like uh, retail sale at uh, Walmart. Hmm. Like hmm. it was being dis- displayed with Dreamcast and they were showing off Sonic and I was like, oh, wow. It's that system that I had to buy online. It's, it was it's, fairly it's here. common it was, like the brief period. It was like – I yeah. guess it was in Best Buy, EB, yeah, I worked Walmart. At e- like it was I worked at EB while this was new before I moved to California and I remember it shared a section in our store with Virtual Boy. We kind of put them – the oh, boxes, wow. boxes were kind of similar. <laughs> it was kind of a weird fringe weird. Virtual Boy was – should have been out of the channel by that point. It was still in the channel. A lot of import games and stuff. Wow. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean um, – I feel like Neo Geo Pocket's death was not the system's own fault. It was really an external force. It was entirely because of the buyout and yeah, the, the yeah. new buyer just said, and, and I felt it that's was it. Just when it was getting interesting. Yeah, I mean, there were all kinds of games in development well, that we have been teased. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen, but someone found the uh, Magician Lord 2. Uh, ROM, right. the unfinished game, SD. and 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 dumped it. It's like a no, Symphony of the Night style game. Oh my god, that sounds great! I uh, like you can you can download the ROM and play it. It's that's playable. super cool. I just we didn't we can't get out of this topic without talking about Card Fighters Clash because that's literally one of my favorite. Oh, yeah, please do. Games yeah, go for it. It is so so. Card Fighters Clash is a game that I bought and never really played because. I didn't know anyone who played video games where I was living at the time. I was like the sad little island isolated by myself. 
So it seemed like an interesting game, but I didn't have anyone to it's play with. It's still fun. Well, you didn't have play. to play it. With, yeah, with it's anyone. still really know, fun. But I mean, it was, it was like a car- customizable like, card game. It's really uh, meant to be played with I would argue game. the single player campaign of Card Fighters Clash is as interesting as a Pokemon game. Well, I own it, so I'm going to play it someday. No, I, I played this game so Actually, I played Card Fighters Clash so many times, like from start to finish, and I did play it with other people, chiefly Shane, actually. <laughs> like, so this is kind of convenient uh, set up here. But like, I played it so many times, I kind of ruined it. Like, I, I, I played it so much that, like, it became really easy to me. Like, you know when you play a game too many times mm-hmm. and you just, like, kind of know everything about it? I just kind of actually kind of wrecked it for myself. But I'd like to play it again <laughs> with Fran now that he has a system. I actually bought him a brand old cartridge of it on eBay for, like, eight bucks. But um, it's, yeah, I mean, comparing it to Pokemon is a good comparison. It is a, you're exploring this world, but the world is a... Strange and interesting world where SNK and Capcom are like the most exciting things in the in the world. Everyone's talking about them all the <laughs> yeah, time. So it's like a Pokemon. Yeah. So like it you, is like Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. anyone you talk to yeah. Pokemon, they're always like, I love Pokemon. I'm creepy. Like right. it's kind of like that, but about SNK and Capcom. And it's a very simple card game. It's similar mechanics. Well, I don't, it's sort of to like a Magic the Gathering style game, but like they're simplified and streamlined and really fun. There's like, there's 300 cards um, evenly split between SNK and Capcom characters. Uh, it's strategic and fun and fast and just... Yeah. super engaging and it's about deck building and it, it, it is a game where like certain cards are really overpowered and as you progress you become you get this amazing deck and and yeah, we played it so much and at our first job back at gamers.com like other people in the office were playing it so it just became a, like a, a real social thing where for a few months it was a game everyone was playing well the funny thing is so I don't know if you remember this Shane but like there's there's okay there's 300 cards two of them oh I remember there's two cards that are randomly received only by doing battles Trades. Trades. Link trades over the Link cable. Right. And I got one of them. Yes. I never got the other one. But remember how much we played the game trading Hundreds. cards back Hundreds. and forth? Yeah. Like to try to generate yeah. that yeah. fucking card. To this day, I still have 299 cards of the three Damn. cards. Do you know, do you know who, who was on the card? Like what I don't remember the card I don't remember was. Okay. Uh, we did at the time yeah. because there was like we we're using like Game Facts or whatever to right. like yeah. figure this out. But like. But that was probably like my game of the year that year. I mean, I loved I, I played it. Game. No, like I played it. Like so I played it at the time. And I played it so much with you, and then like I moved to Southern California and worked for um, for GameSpy, and I wiped my card. No, I didn't. No, I bought a second copy because you know it was. There's also like Pokemon. There was SNK version and Capcom version, like cartridges. I like bought a second copy and started it again from scratch and played through it. And that's when I just kind of like I just mo like after having completely explored every nook of it, played it through again from scratch. It's so good. Well, and then the sequel never got ported or translated, and it's apparently not as good. I've never tried it. No, I've never played the sequel, though. We we would be remiss not to mention this the is DS a, remake. The fucking terrible DS. Ah, uh, you're right. Like, okay, so I've heard everyone say it's awful. So what is it about the DS version that's so terrible? I want to know, too. Yeah, so I got, like, I imported the DS version from Japan because I could not contain my excitement, even though I was a little bit suspicious about it. First of all, it's got that, like, I don't know if anyone remembers, like, the early 2000s, like, the era of, like, uh, Mega Man um, uh, Battle Network, which Mm -hmm. is actually quite a good franchise. But there was this period where, like, that sort of set the tone of everything for kids. Like, it had to be like, I'm an extreme skateboarding, backwards baseball cap anime kid, mm-hmm. and like everything. I suck at be... school, but I'm a genius at net battling. <laughs> yes, that shit. So, like, there's Virtual Quest I'm is another. Genki! Virtu- Virtual Quest is another example of, of this. There's, there's, but the Card Fighters DS game is just like this horrible, interminable shonen hero, just endlessly talking, like walking back and forth in a school with your other little, like, 12 year old friends, like, endless, endless dialogue of Genki kid bull. Bullshit. And then 
I terrible. do not remember exactly what's wrong with the mechanics, but I, think I remember they broke the mechanics. They broke the mechanics. Like I do not remember what they did, but like the original game was so streamlined and quick and I mean, I, no, I think fun. They, I think they actually broke the mechanics in the sequel on Neo Geo Pocket Color as well, potentially. But I don't like I do not remember exactly what they did because we're talking now about like bordering on almost ten about ten years ago, nine years right. ago maybe. Well. Like and really, CFC was like the climax. Within a few months of that, of the first Car Fighters Clash coming out in America, it was over. Like Car Fighters Clash and Match Millennium came out like close to each other, and they were just right. like, "Look how great!" Also, this system it's is. when the forty dollar cable to attach your Neo Geo Pocket Color to your Sega Dreamcast came out, which I purchased, so you could transfer your save data between the like, Neo Geo Pocket Color games and your Dreamcast games. But forty dollar cable. Yikes. It's a little, a little expensive. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, I do not remember exactly what was wrong with that game, but I remember being so, there's probably a live journal post where I talk about what's wrong with that game if you're <laughs> interested in Googling it up. But, uh, you know, I remember towards the end I was frantically importing uh, uh, Evolution from, from I, Europe. Yeah, I, so Evolution, so that's one, so if everyone remembers Evolution, probably mm-hmm. not, it was a, a franchise Dreamcast of game, yeah. Yeah. Dreamcast RPGs Sting. by Sting. There's another Link. We're going to do Wonders on Link yeah. here. Um by Sting. There were two for the Dreamcast. They were released as a compilation for GameCube. for GameCube. And then there was an original one for Neo Geo Pocket. And it was translated into English and released in the Europe slash Asia region of non-Japan Asia for uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color, which I, you and I, I remember racing to this one fucking weird British website. To buy it. Yeah. To buy it. <laughs> and we both got it. And then I sold it later on eBay for like $350. Holy shit. Wow. Apes. Because I uh, needed the money. Yeah. And Dive Alert was another one that was kind of hard to find at the end, right? Like, yeah. Was it? I didn't, I didn't have too much trouble with that What's one. What's the other one? There's another one. Biomotor Unitron? Yeah, Biomotor Unitron. Unitron. Yeah. That's hard to find now. Um, Dark Arms Beast Buster? Dark, Dark Arms is not hard to find. Oh, no? You get, you get loose. There's like, on eBay right now, there's a bunch of loose new copies of Yeah, actually, of um, so oh, right. I, I ended up, you know, having to sell my, my collection, which was very sad. But um, I needed to survive until I got my job at 1UP. So, um a few years ago, probably like five years ago at this point, um, I noticed that uh, GameSpot's website or GameStop's website was selling just like blister packs of eight Neo Geo games. Like random? Yeah, like, Neo Geo Pocket games. So you just bought the collection. And, how much? Uh, it was cheap. It was it had to have been like 30 bucks or something. For just bare cards. Yeah, for just bare cards. But one of them was Fossile, which, wow. you know, oh, yeah. like – that game for a while sold for two, three hundred dollars. I don't know the story around this, but at some point, a reseller, like a distributor, at some point got a whole their hands on a whole ton of I think I think air carts. Like I said, I think that game got into to distribution channels, and then was they, they were just told don't ship it. But you know, not just Fossilay, but other stuff. Yeah, some other stuff too. Fossilay, who developed Fossilay? Uh, I think Sacknoth. Okay, yeah. So there's Sacknoth. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I think that was one of those where it sat in a warehouse for a long time, and finally someone started to clear out stuff and said, oh, well, they told us not to sell this, but pff, it's just Soon after, here. within a year, I think, after, they also were doing, like, you could walk into EB and buy a blister-packed system with six games, and they were all not valuable games, but, like, they had this thing. It was, like, and it was all blister-packed together in plastic and no boxes for it was, any of the Yeah, stuff. it was the equivalent of, you know, when you were a kid and you'd go to, like, Toys R Us and they'd have... Those three packs of comic books, yeah. like second print comic books, and you couldn't tell what the middle one was. Mm-hmm. You're just like, ah, okay, sure, why not? Did, sometimes it was cool stuff. Sometimes it was terrible. Did Cotton come out in America? No. No. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Rockman game didn't come out in America. I had that. I also sold that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I bought the import of Cotton. 
And it was okay. It's okay, yeah. yeah. I sold every valuable game I had for that system, but I sold yeah. a bunch, and I still love the system. But then, in, so, you know, once it got euthanized in America, it didn't last much longer no. in Japan. There's a start to be the slot machine games we talked about, and, uh, yeah, it didn't last longer. They, they did have the long enough for the redesign, but I don't think it... Like, there's not, like, some... I, I think the last game released for Neo Geo Pocket was, I want to say, like, sometime at the beginning of 2001 in Japan... And they, you know, they killed off the system mid-2000 here. So There is, like, it is not one of the systems that had, like, a long, fruitful life. Or there's, like, I can't point to say, like, there's this great import you need to get that didn't come out. Like, there's there's the weird thing with Rockman and the weird thing with Evolution European version. But, yeah. like, there's not a lot of, like, secret games. No, I mean, we got a lot of the best stuff here. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was one of those systems where they were pretty eager to bring things over and, you know, get them into international distribution. And most of what we didn't get was either licensed uh, or else just not, excuse me, interesting to Americans, like slot games. I I would like to think that these games will find a home somewhere in the future because they're still really fun and they're well well positioned for handheld devices. I would I would love you know? to see a Neo Geo Pocket virtual console. That'd be yeah. great. That'd be so good. Yeah, because you know, it's better than Game Gear, really. Like, yeah, and, you know, um, one of those... Um, conversation threads we had at the beginning talking about the redesign of the system, the color system versus black and white. One of the interesting things about the the really rapid iteration of the color version is that um, a lot of the games that were released for the Neo Geo Pocket Color were still backward compatible with the black and white Mm -hmm. system. If you put them into a black and white system, they would play in black and white. Hmm. Um, I would say at least half of the color games were actually backward compatible. It was kind of some of the higher spec games weren't. Like I don't think Match of the Millennium was. But, um, yeah, if you had bought the black and white system and didn't want to upgrade, you could still play a lot of games that were released well after the color uh, for the color system. I mean, once once the, the color console launched, they just stopped releasing black and white cartridges. But a lot of the cartridges still had hooks, so they were sort of backward compatible with the previous generation, which was, a, you know, I, again, like, I feel like despite the way that system went so badly – there was just this kind of deep level of affection for the games and respect for the the players at, at yeah. SNK. And and I think it was a game company. It really was. One of the few like original IPs, if you can call it that, Gals Fighter, was in, interesting because it was a real fan service. You know? Oh yeah, I love that game. It's a very good game. Like I recently like been playing it again a little bit with friend. Like it is. Like, it runs really smoothly. It controls really well. It has the its own good. feel. Like I remember actually. <laughs> I played that for the first time at that stupid apartment we stayed in for like two weeks when we first moved to California. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, I mean, that one's worth yeah. mentioning because even though you call it an original IP, it's all like Capcom and SNK ladies fighting and, each other. And by the and last Finley boss is, is Yori Yagami in, uh, in drag. Yeah. <laughs> as, Miss, as Miss X. <laughs> so it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, another really great fighting game that doesn't get talked about a lot is The Last Blade Port. Oh, yeah. Which, um, I mean, it's still super cute, but at the same time, it's still very faithful to Last Blade. Like, it is a, it's not a, you know, punch someone until their health runs out. It's more of, like, slash someone and they die. Uh, it's it's really interesting how they took that look and that game style, which seems so contrary to one another, and still made them work in that style. It was, it was uh, That's a great friend. Yeah, just a lot of great stuff I, on this system. I wish in this alternate reality the, that you know, the console had continued, they could have revisited other of their IP and made SD versions and weird mix-ups. And, yeah. I mean, they, they were working on it. There was, you know, Magician Lord. Right. Um, I, I know they had announced some other, uh, some other, 
you know, Neo Geo console um, AES type games right. to be converted to. Yeah, it would have been cool Neo if they got like Crystallis or, or if just Capcom had continued to work with them right. and yeah. done more yeah. things than just like a rock, like, like a real Rockman game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if Aruze hadn't killed Neo Geo Pocket Color instantly. Um, it probably wouldn't have lasted much longer because Nintendo did announce the Game Boy Advance. Right. And, you know, when that, that system, you started to see pictures of it and you started to see games for it, like, that was a legitimate, like, it was next generation. I mean, it had shoulder buttons. It still had two face buttons, but it had shoulder buttons. And the graphics just looked so good. We didn't know how bad the screen was going to be. But <laughs> but in those first previews, yeah. man, oh, so I guess good. Before, you know, before we get to, to Wonderswan, I guess in terms of a platform holder trying to maintain a platform, you know, for SNK, this pure video game developer, coin-op developer, you know, I think they kind of had the right thing in mind. And I think that, like, it could have gone all these interesting places. Whereas with Bandai, you know, they're kind of an anime IP holder ultimately, and I think right. that's really what got them I, into the business. I, I think you'll – yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Wonders 1 in the second half. But there is definitely a different philosophy between the two systems, right? even though they do kind of touch on some of the same ground. But, you know yeah, – But Neo Geo Pocket is weirdly pure and from a very pure, almost naive point of view, and I think that's part of why it's so great. I mean I, w- I will say that I never owned an original Game Boy um, when – you know, I, I bought a, a Super Game Boy and played some of the, the cool-looking Game Boy games I wanted to play – uh, I did get a Game Boy Color when it came out, but I never really, like, I don't know, portable games never really connected with me. And then I got a Neo Geo Pocket when it first, like, when the Color first shipped at the, you know, the, the online exclusive in the U.S. And that was it. Like, at that point, I said, I love handheld games. There's something great about these games. I, like, it really... It changed my perspective on games and made me a fan of something that, you know, I'm still, like, a huge advocate for portable games, 3DS and, and Vita. I had a similar experience. Like, I just, yeah, like, like, it, like, I couldn't get into Game Boy. And I had a Game Gear. I had a Lynx. I had a Turbo Express. I tried everything. And just somehow Neo Geo Pocket was the first one that clicked. Yeah, for me, it was the level of quality to the software. Yeah. I never bought one. And the screen was <laughs> just go, big Bob. enough also. I know. That was the other thing. I think the screen crossed yeah. this little barrier, this invisible and it wasn't, barrier. it wasn't quite so dim as the Game Boy Color screen. Like, yeah. it, it reflected light better or something. I don't know. Like, it just looked cleaner. I guess, I guess I'm the odd man out in that I never had one, but I, I just didn't think it would last. I, I didn't have a lot of money, so I was like, yeah. uh... I had just started my first like professional full-time job, so I had some disposable yeah. cash. Yeah, this came out there was, right... There was no one yeah. to hang out with or no one to date where I was living, so, so also, it was like, all video games. Your 20s is the ultimate time to waste money when you have your first job oh, yeah. before you ever spend yeah. It did feel superfluous. Life. I do remember yeah. like holding it being like, this is a weird thing, but I'm glad I have it. Like, I, but I, I have memories yeah. of taking that on work trips with me and vacations mm-hmm. and just, you know, for that short little window of time, I played that a lot. And then, you know, from that, my, my love of handheld games kind of trickled into Game Boy Color and then Game Boy Advance and now DS, PSP, Vita, 3DS. It was, a, it was the start of something great, even if it wasn't the start of something great for SNK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it does harken back to simpler times and kind of the end of an era, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, pre-mobile, like, you know, yep. that, it would be a joke if something was even to propose such a thing now, you know. Yeah. Good times. So we've talked about the happy times of Neo Geo Pocket. Now let's talk about the more contentious counterpart, Wonderswan. I feel like Wonderswan 
is probably why we got a Game Boy Color. I think Nintendo would have been happy to just keep churning out the Game Boy, but Bandai announced its intention to make a competitor, like a very, very close competitor to Game Boy, with the design by the creator of Game Boy, Gunpei Yokoi, who had left Nintendo after the Virtual Boy flop. And that was, you know, the, what lit a fire under Nintendo's feet to shift into color and, you know, say, oh, no, we're better now right. because well, the Swan was a pretty powerful and system. And for some context, Bandai Visual is kind of the Disney of Japan-ish hmm. in terms of... And like, that they I own that all content? Miyazaki. Well, I guess in terms of quality, but in terms of, like, own, oh, yeah, owner, ownership like, and having valuable IP that hmm. children enjoy. Right. Yeah, so... So let's uh, let's talk a little bit a bit about the Wonder Swan color. I think I feel like the um, the Neo Geo Pocket's instant obsolescence was just a side effect of the Wonder Swan Game Boy War. I don't think Nintendo really paid attention to SNK and said, "Oh, we got to best them." Yeah, I don't think. Um, but I, I think I think Wonder Swan actually made Nintendo nervous because not only you know of its legacy. Uh, having having the connection to Game Boy with Gumpe Yokoi, but also just you know. It was like it was really muscling in on on well, well, Nintendo's was a huge turf. Consumer marketing company right. like SNK is, was SNK, yeah. right? Yeah, they own Gundam. They have lots of things. And I think at first Nintendo wasn't too worried, but later once Square signed yeah. off, right? There were a lot of things that came together in the late '90s. Okay, so first of all, Bandai had been a huge supporter of the Game Boy throughout its life. I mean, you know, putting together the Game Boy World database, I'm always coming across Bandai properties. It's all you know, Gundam and Evangelion and just all these anime. Right. Like, um, there's like there's franchises that are very dependable yearly, like mm-hmm. SD robot generation bullshit that like sell and have a big fan base right. there. And the existence of Wonderswan basically meant those steady money makers that were bringing you know a little bit of cash into Nintendo's coffers were suddenly going to go away. But um, you know, again, at the same time, you did have the fallout between Square and Nintendo at the end of the Super Famicom era, where Square was like, "You guys are shafting us." So you know what. Final Fantasy VII, PlayStation. And um, there was a pretty famous hissy fit between uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi and Square's management and uh, just a lot of acrimonious wasn't, content flying back and forth. Wasn't there some just incredibly broad statement Yamauchi made about RPGs? Like, yeah, he was like, we don't care games. about Final yeah. Fantasy VII because RPG fans are losers who dye their hair brown and play alone in their basements. Oh, wow, okay. Which is kind of true, but, right. but at the same time... What's that dye your hair brown thing? Is that like a Japanese <laughs> like thing? A, yeah, like, like a, a pu- cool bleach. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and plus, Square had made a lot of content for Game Boy. You know, most of it not as good as their content for Famicom and Super Nintendo. They actually hadn't made a lot of content. They oh, made four games. games and, there were three really? Saga games and Final Fantasy Adventure. That's it? They never made anything else after that? That was no. like up to 92, right? That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, they, they actually kind of faded out um, pretty quickly. But I'm sure that when Pokemon was a success, everyone who was, you know, had an RPG legacy looked at Game Boy again and said, hmm, well, how about that? Um, but no, they pledged allegiance to Bandai Wonderswan well, because the thing, yeah. they didn't want to be associated with Nintendo. The, to go back to what I was saying, like, it was clear that, like, the, you know, who knows what was going on in Nintendo's mind or whatever, but it was clear that, like, Bandai had something here. The system was definitely a way bigger screen than... It has the, a weird form factor. It, it does a, have a weird form factor, but... But it was slick. Also, it was made by a company that, like, it's shipped so lots of 90s. plastic toys to stores. Like To the, me, it reminds me of, like, a weird big Tamagotchi. 
kind of. I, I mean, it's that. so yeah. it's so nineties. It's, it's like nineties. The one I had was bulbous. The, okay, so the one I had kind of looked like a bar of dial. Sleek. The one I had kind of looked like a bar, like of, a bar of dial soap, not soap. Or not, not 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 dial Irish Spring. Oh, okay. It was like kind of that shade of green. It was translucent. It had some white detailing. So if you I cut it, it would start foaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I took it in the shower. And I have I have a, I have a bla- I have a black and white one, and I have a, I have a Swan Crystal, which was like the last release. It was a color one that had a clear screen. You have two Wonder Swans. Well, okay, I'll explain it. Actually, <laughs> is now the time? I guess. Uh, sorry, sure. Why not? Getting so I really wanted the Clonoa game for Wonder Swan. I thought as well, I you did. should. It was good, and I was looking for it in Japan. And the only place I found it, it was hard to find because Wonderful games are kind of weird and scattered around. I found it at like a random store in Kyoto, and the only way they had it was packed with a black and white Wonder Swan because <laughs> there was a like pack with it. It was for like 900 yen, which is like $9. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to complain. Uh, I right. bought the whole well, thing. And it's funny because I remember the first time I touched a Wonder Swan was like at E3, someone had one, they had Klonoa, and like. You know, this is of the era. We had all played Klonoa door door defense. <laughs> you just reminded me of that stupid ad. Do you okay. have Klonoa? <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus like Christ. To, to like right to like sell Klonoa as if it were a venereal disease. Right. But, That's what I want so, for my video games. So we had played Klonoa on PlayStation One. Okay, mind you, that had happened, and then I'm asked, "Oh, here's the next Klonoa experience. It's going to remind you of the first time you played Mario Land. Remember then when things were blurry and terrible? Oh yeah, it's that. Like when I first played, was Mark McDonald the person who gave this to you? I think it was Marty Chin or something. But anyway, when I first huh. played, you Klonoa, guys are all clones. When I first played Klonoa Wonder Swan, <laughs> I immediately knew, "Wow, I don't need a Wonder Swan. It's right. like a Tiger handheld game." Continue. <laughs> okay, that's snide. that's change usual how hyperbole. You, I'm glad that you brought you, uh, that back to Ritronauts. It hasn't how can died. You keep that snideness bottled to such a fine vintage. No, but like it's been 15 years. years. You have to admit, like it's like whiskey. It just gets but, better. But in you the have ages. to admit, like when it came out, it was antiquated. It was black and white. It was, but that was the point. The yeah. point was, it was to take cheap. on Nintendo At their own. and Game Boy, like take all the things that made Game Boy successful and just amplify them. So it was cheap. The game, the Wonder Swan, launched at four thousand yen. That's like $35. I bought more expensive steaks in Tokyo. <laughs> yes, it was meant to be super cheap. And, you know, even though the screen was pretty blurry, it was not as blurry as Game Boy Pocket. It had 16 shades of, of gray instead of four. Um, it had a much bigger screen. It had that kind of crazy rotatable format. Because so. it was for lefties too, right? Kind of like a lake. Well, no, it's like you could tate. No, yeah, no, you could do tate. Like, okay. some, some of the shooters, like um, Judgment Silver Sword. Uh, is like you played in Tate mode. Or Gunpei, the puzzle game that came with it. Yeah. Right, named after Gunpei Aguilar. Hmm. Yeah. And um, some, some of the games had this really terrible idea of like switching up play format midway through, like the the terrible Mega Man game for the system, uh, Rockman and Forte, but not the not the Super NES one. Uh, a, it's a, unique a terrible. One, oh, oh my god! I don't know. Is it don't, color or black and white? It's black and white. I forgot. About and this it is about. a. Let me let me tell you. Oh this. boy! Here we go. It is a steaming piece of shit. It's terrible. It is the worst Mega Man. Game. No, it is the worst. Is Mega it worse Man than like U.S. Gold Game Gear Mega Man? Uh, I would say yes. Wow. PC I, Mega Man Three. I I hate it more than the PC game. Okay. What's, what's wrong with it besides being a? It's just one? bad. Okay. But it's it's what it's this game that says, oh, you can rotate format. So let's do that. Like not not between levels, but between screens. Oh. So we move into a new screen, and all of a sudden everything's sideways. Oh, that's so I mean, weird. it's it's totally mm-hmm. like you know in the early DS days where people were like, oh, got to use that touch screen somehow. Let's just cram it in there. That it was the same sort of thing. Like here's a gimmick. Let's do it. There's so, actually another original Mega Man game for Wonder Swan. Yeah, but that was for color. Actually, there's two yeah. more. Wow. Okay. wow! Weird. Yeah, hey, also, I, I bought them all. Also, the cartridges are very long. Oh, the cartridges! <laughs> actually, I would say this. This is a weird thing to say, but I'm going to say it because I think it. You like them? 
I not really like them. I think it's my second favorite cartridge format after Hue Cards for the PC Engine. I mean, they're, so they're cool. similar, yeah. They're memorably weird. They're hmm. beautiful, I think. They have, like, big giant stickers on them covered well, yeah, in the art. Pins they're, the pins they're, are they're, really exposed. they're wide and short, and then they have, like, really exposed pins. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're interesting cartridges. But, you know, like, Wonderswan really was meant to be super cheap. Like, sell it to kids. That's That's what it was for. It was to... Steal the, the bottom out. Yeah, but I mean... I wonder if it was actually kids. influenced by, like, the, the success of Tamagotchi in the sense of, like... Or also, remember, like, Tamagotchi was, like, a huge digital IP. I bet there are Tamagotchi games for the Wonder Swan. Like, oh, I'm sure oh, Tamagotchi was Bandai. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there must have so, been... So, like, I think they were thinking, like, well, we sold tons of cheap plastic crap mm-hmm. with screens to people. What we if could, we made right, it better? Level that up. Well, we're yeah. about to get to my favorite thing about Wonder Swan, which is the Wonder Borg. Oh, wait. No, we're not going to get that yet. The other... Like, the hardware had some deficiencies... It didn't have a uh, an audio jack. You had to get an adapter. Right. Like, oh. you know, well, Nintendo like... would borrow that later for yeah. Game Boy Advance what a SP. Stupid thing. Like, oh, that works so well on Bandai's Wonderswan. Let's do that with our system too. But um but yeah, I mean it was basically a um like a, a 16-bit quality game system. And you know, when it switched over to the color, like the graphics were almost as good as Game Boy Advance would be. Yeah, um, no, they look the color games look really good. How much Actually, was the color unit? Like eighty dollars? It was it was more expensive. I want to say it was seventy to eighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere in there. Actually, still cheaper than Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Like the funny thing about Wonder Swan is that they met. It's sort of like if the Neo Geo Pocket sort of was like Sega ish. This was like aligned spiritually with Sony. Kind of, and they did hire more they, than kind and of, and they went out of their way to like make clones of. B level things people liked. One yeah, I mean, Ark yeah. the Lad is on the system. Yeah, right? there's right. an Ark the Lad right. game for Wonder Swan Color. Or there is a Vib Ribbon clone. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Nana Onshaw made it. Right. They yeah. hired the guys who made Vib Ribbon to basically make a Vib Ribbon clone for this. Yeah, I mean, console. there are remakes of Final Fantasy 1, 2, 4, uh, the, like the Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon that was on PlayStation. What's the original game by Square? Well, there's Wild Card. Blue Wing Blitz. Blue Wing Blitz. Wild Cards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one looks really cool. There's also Hataraku Chocobo, the, like a Chocobo hey, Animal Crossing. Raising, or not, not uh, like Harvest Moon. Chocobo Raising game. Well, no, it's like Harvest Moon. Basically, like, like the Square decided to go big. Like, they, they're in the middle of their huge tiff with Nintendo, and they, like, the, like, not only did Wonderswan... Like, yeah, they made Wonderswan more Color, Wonderswan games than they made Game Boy games. Yeah. Like, Wonderswan Color launched with a limited edition, like... Final Fantasy 4 Final Fantasy 1. Oh, right. Bundle. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I remember at the time being, like, holy shit, I want this. It looks so good. Like, I remember sitting there, like, my computer looked like... I was so angry that it so didn't close. come to the U.S. I wanted that. I mean, those did, games eventually came to GBA. Did you dig up any information about the rumors that... I've, I've heard rumors that Mattel was going to put out the Wonder Swan in America. Did you ever huh. find any that I haven't heard that, that but stuff? it wouldn't surprise me. I, yeah. I, I don't know why Wonder Swan didn't come to the U.S. because it had a lot of support. It had a lot of games that would have done really well. It, you know, at the price point, it would have been competitive with Game Boy Advance. I think Bandai could have, you know... It, they wouldn't have beaten Game Boy Advance. They wouldn't have stopped Nintendo by any means. But I think they would have sold millions of units. I think it would have done pretty well yeah, for itself. I remember it would have been like a Game Gear. Maybe, I mean, this, maybe better. this was a system that was loaded down with anime licensed content at the time that anime was exploding in America. That's and, right, yeah. You know, Toonami was happening and you could go to Hollywood Video and it was just like stacks and stacks of anime. Manga was big. Like it, it, it was perfectly poised to do well, really well in America and it's – Bizarre that it didn't come here. I remember when Square was going all in, it was so clear that like they, you know, this is what they would have been doing on Game Boy mm-hmm. if they weren't having that battle with yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, and I mean, like they even took a Game Boy game, uh, Makatoshi Saga: Final Fantasy Legend, and remade it really nicely for Wonder Swan. Like that's the version to play right there. So, are I, having never played any of the Square games on it, are they good? 
I mean, have you played Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls? Have you played Final Fantasy yes. 4 Advance? It's yes. the exact same thing. I mean, Final it, Fantasy 4 Advance had more stuff in it added. Like but I mean, content. so those versions visually, yeah, as the visually they look the same. Yeah, they're, they're pretty sure, essentially. I'm pretty sure Tosei developed those games for Wonderswan for them, and then they just you know, reused the assets and reprogrammed for them for Game Boy wow. Advance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a Game Boy Advance experience. The funny thing about Wonderswan is, like, I remember I had this moment in Japan. Actually, you, I think you were with me, literally with me. I was at... I had this idea, like, I'd always want to play Riviera, which eventually came out for the GBA It's really good. And I was like, I really want this game. It looks really cool. I want a Wonder Swan. And then we went to Mandaraka Galaxy in Nakano, and I found a a Swan Crystal bolted to a copy of Riviera for, like, 40 bucks. And I'm like, I pulled the trigger, and I'm like, well, fuck it. And then that trip became about buying Wonder Swan games. Right? I have all these clear memories of going all over. I, I remember I was with you and thinking he's misguided, but I'm not going to stop. I bought like 10 or more Wonder Swan games that trip. Like, I just went crazy. The sad part is I say this and, like, I barely touched any of them ever. <laughs> but I own them. Someday, rainy day. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play a lot of Wonder Swan, but I did I did enjoy it. Like, I I, I really think the, the Klonoa game that you're so disparaging of, Shane... Um, I you know it was kind of the basis for the uh, Game Boy Advance sequels. Yeah, they're the same but, gameplay style. Yeah, but I I like the the Moonlight Museum on on Wonder Swan a little better because it feels a little more inventive. Here's a question: Does the system have like system level OS stuff to make it more modern? Does it have you know like no like the Neo Geo Pocket had you know the built in horoscope and stuff. There's nothing like that in Wonder Swan. It's just mm. the weird thing about Wonder Swan it. is that like it. You can reprogram what it says. It says the same thing Wonderswan it turns on. It can just say whatever word you want in the middle of the screen. So mine says Ferricide when it turns on. Mine says Shane is wrong. (laughs) Shane is wrong. Like, do we have an idea of what the lifespan of this was like, and how successful was it in um, Japan? Yeah, it, it okay. So it launched in March 1999 in Japan. Uh, it never launched in the U.S., so right. I guess I don't need to clarify. Um, the Swan, the Swan Caller, or Wonder Swan Caller, launched about a year and a half later. The Swan Crystal showed up like in 2003, and then a few months later they discontinued it. Yeah, the Swan so it actually Crystal. it actually had a four year lifespan. That's you know across all versions. Yeah, much longer than Neo Geo Pocket. Swan yeah. Crystal is an interesting thing because I think they were responding to this idea that the screen wasn't clear enough to complete with the GBA. Which yeah, like kind of it was funny. not it was not internally a change at all. It was just a different screen. Basically. Just a better screen. I just ne- never been able to judge if it was a, su- a success for Bandai or. Um, I don't have the exact numbers with me, but I'm thinking it sold something like eight or nine million units. Hmm. I'm thinking the Final Fantasy games did sell pretty well for yeah. I, mean, yean. I think the Gundam and, and, and this also came out kind of like right when you know during Evangelion's popularity there were a bunch of Evangelion games for it there yep. was there was the raising simulator like you could raise Adam from yeah, I have an the, embryo to yeah. I don't know like what was the end game for that like third impact <laughs> I don't know it's got Kaji on the cover Bizarre. I think I have it uh, there was also there were original games. We're talking a lot about like existing game properties, but I have a few cool games. There's, nope. there's, first of all, the, like, the Ark the Lad game, the original Ark the Lad game being on there is kind of neat. I think 
Um, I have uh, Star Hearts, which is like a cool action RPG that I remember hunting all over. Man, I've never even heard of that one. Yeah. All right, so uh, it looks like it sold three and a half million units. I overestimated badly, but still, that's that's, um, that's right up there with Game Gear. It's better than Wii U. And that was in one territory. No, it's not. I know, I'm kidding. (laughs) I like Wii U. I really think think that if if Wonderswan had made it to Europe and America, it probably would be like a five, six million unit uh, legacy. So Capcom made games for it. Did Konami? Yeah. Well, Capcom, Konami think... had a Beat Mania game that had a little built-in, like, separate controller. Wow. I got that. I um, believe that the Capcom Namco also. game was one of those things where they actually just got the license and made the game. Yeah, like, there was... Like, Bondi was in right. charge of those. It was like, those weird things that... Because Capcom sure did not make that Mega Man game. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, the, the Rockman... So the, the, the one that I have is a color one, and it's actually based on, like, uh, Mega Man Battle Network, or Rockman XA. Weird. And it's, but it's an action game. It's it's like a full on platform. It's, it's like actually a, really similar to. Um, there's a GameCube. One. Ne- yeah, the, the GameCube one. It's not the same game. Battle mission. But the 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 spirit is very similar. It's not. It doesn't have that weird like chip randomization element that made the GameCube game so broken. I mean, the fact that the and last there's a lot of story. But there was also yeah. another Mega Man game which was also based on Battle Network, and that was Battle Chip Challenge, which was ported to GBA. Huh. Like that started out as a Wonderswan game. Weird. They also ported uh, the Super Famicom's Clock Tower to Wonderswan like five years later. Oh, there's actually oh, yeah. weird. Another thing I think I just remember there was a I found this recently. I was looking at Wonderswan stuff online, and there was like a limited edition One Piece system, and this was like One Piece was huge, brand new, or yeah, ninety seven One Piece. So One Piece was oh. the first flush probably of its massive popularity, and like that was a you know a franchise that Bandai has milked for games for years mm-hmm. and still oh, yeah. continues to do, and uh, so like. They really had a way to contend. I mean, they gave it a lot of. Uh, I don't know. They well, gave well, it. A- I'll say it's definitely better than the Pladia that I own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's worth mentioning that Bandai did have some experience in game console design. Does anyone else remember that at the time there, there was, was the also- Pippin Atmark? That's true. Yep. And they were also at that time going to merge with Sega. Does anyone remember that? I don't remember that. that this aborted. Was that yeah. was that instead of Sammy? Yep. Basically, yeah. Like, and there's also yeah. There was this brief time where like Sega and Bondi were talking merger. This was around 2000. It just hmm. didn't happen. That's wacky. Yeah. Yeah, so um so there were there were a lot of um kind of familiar brands. Uh the, the Mega Man games for Wonderswan Color were developed by Intecreates, which is why they are a better well, at least the Battleship Challenge was. Okay. So it's it's a better quality game than the, the I black played and white the one. The other one, the the straight on action one. It's pretty yeah. good. It's it's okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's definitely better than Mirai no Chosen or whatever it's called the uh, yeah, that, that that game was a botch job, terrible. Mm. But is, is there a must-play exclusive game for Wonderswan though? Let's see. Um, Judgment Silver Sword, which is kind of an unofficial late release and sells for like $150, um, I think was made with the Wonder Witch project. Like it was oh, kind of a, yeah. a doujin game. Those are two interesting things. You, you brought up the Wonder Board. With and the Wonder, yeah, Wonder like Wonder it's, it's a really good shooter in the style. Not exactly a Radiant Silver Gun, but it kind of reminds me of um, – Crap, what is that really uh, – Rekka. It reminds me of Rekka, mm. Summer Carnival 90-whatever. And, and it got a retail release even though it was like a yeah, retail no, limited a real, retail release. Like real I, I, I bought a copy at Mandarake and then you know because I had financial problems, I had to sell it. It was right. one of those things like how Yorosia games became PlayStation games. Like some mm. of them – you know, like Zai. You know, mm. like it's – it became – like Bondi recognized it and said like, hey, we will yeah. give this a real I've release. heard the game Dicing Night is amazing, but that game is like seven eight hundred dollars It's impossibly expensive. That Square uh, strategy RPG looks really cool. Uh, it has yeah, the word yeah, Blitz yeah. in it. What's it called? Blue Blue Wing Blitz. Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, that. it has really good artwork. Yeah. And it's got a neat theme because it's like sort of like old timey planes. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think that game just totally bombed. 
Uh, weren't they going to do like a sequel on PS2? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, some of the games did really well. Some of them didn't. Um, the fact that there are original Square games, at least two original yeah, Square yeah. games, don't exist it's anywhere insane. else. Insane. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> three. Like, and like, because uh, there's the, the Chocobo, Chocobo game. Oh yeah, that's right. There's also like the thing I was saying earlier. Like it was kind of aligned to PlayStation. Like there was Arc the Lad, there was Namco, there was mm-hmm. Square. Like people wanted. I, I have this sense. Like I just infer this based on circumstances. It seems like people wanted to get away from Nintendo if they could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, that's been the story of like the that was that was definitely the story of the the 90s. Like people jumping ship to Sega Genesis, people jumping ship to PlayStation, and then once a viable handheld appeared, yeah, people jumping ship to Wonderswan. Like Nintendo did not do any favors for for people who were you know loyal to it. Um, it, w- it was very much about. It's always been about like Nintendo snapping up money. I, I think they've changed in the recent years. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. a lot of talk about their indie initiatives um, makes them sound a lot more. Like oh, I guess we have to work with people, <laughs> but that was not their that was not their philosophy in the nineties. Their philosophy in the nineties was you have to work with us, yeah, and we're going to dictate all the terms. And you know, people said no, and Nintendo's star lost its luster. But yeah, no, it's it's. I think the, the thing about the Wonders one is it's just interesting. Like I think there's not that many examples of like a console that was basically real but also kind of died. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it. Like, there are, but, like, it really got there. It has a bunch of games. Like, I have 10 or 15 games. They're neat. They're the thing, like, I, you know, like, they're real. And I wonder, did Bandai stop their output, you know, somewhat on the other platforms during Winter's One? It doesn't seem like it. Were there fewer Gundam games coming out on PlayStation? And- there was a lot of PlayStation yeah. Gundam games. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have uh, cut into their PlayStation releases. Right, it would have cut into be. Game Boy. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, they were still releasing Game Boy properties, or Game Boy games based on their properties. Um like there were a few Tamagotchi Game Boy games, but I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't gotten far enough into Game Boy World's database population to talk about like 1999, 2000. No. That's about where I am now. So I can't I can't say from personal like research whether that's the case, but I feel like it is. I mean, I, I feel like they probably hedged their bets a little bit and still released some games on Game Boy, but. Were there a bunch of Dragon Ball, their... Dragon Ball games on no, Wonder Swan? No, I don't think that's kind of weird. There's there might be some. I think Dragon Ball wasn't that huge in Japan anymore at that point. There's a bit I mean, late for Dragon is Ball. Is that a Bandai? Oh yeah, that is. I guess. It is. Yeah. Well, Namco. The, the other thing you have to bear in mind is um yeah no Dragon Ball games were Bandai. There's also Bon Presto, which mm-hmm. is like a subsidiary of Bandai that did a lot of games for Nintendo platforms, and they may have had a freer hand to do what they wanted during the Wonder Swan era. I'm just speculating here, but they did a lot of stuff for Wonder Swan. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of Bon Presto logos on Wonder Swan. Yeah. So. But, you know, I, th- I think they were happy to play the field, just like, you know, there were certain Sega games that showed up on NES. Uh, like, you can you can play... Um, Shinobi. Fantasy Zone. Uh, Shinobi, Fantasy Zone, Afterburner. Like, you know, um, sometimes it's good to kind of make money where you can, even if it may not seem intuitive. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a weird little system. Um, Bob, well, have you ever... With no, I like I would read coverage of, of this on the the gaming intelligence agency and just be like, I'll never play this. I just I was <laughs> jealous. Like I want to play this Final Fantasy remake, but it's just like I couldn't. I've always been a skinflint, like super cheap, stingy. Well, no, I so mean, like it didn't seem worth it to me to um, import the system just for these. You oh know, yeah, remakes absolutely. Or I didn't mean if you like had bought it. I was just oh no no. I have like no experience with it. And I wish I wish I could have uh, access to these games. In fact, in doing research, there's like n- nothing on YouTube. There's like no playthroughs or anything that I could find. It's strange how. I don't know. There should have been more of an impact because this thing was around for four years. Yeah, and and it stuck around. Like as I said, like I had the opportunity to buy it many times for very cheap and 
didn't. Now I'm having slight pangs of regret. Like maybe I do kind of wish I would have found some of these games. I really, Shane. I really like the system, the way it looks, like the weird curvature of it, the slickness, the big screen, the weird buttons, and the fact that it takes one AA battery. Uh, yeah. That juts out the back because they specifically made it so it like was as sleek as possible. It's like a bump right. on the back. Well, yeah, and, and not only that, it takes one battery and still plays for like 40 hours. Well, the thing it's is that like crazy. So like the idea is like <coughs> that you would there was a re- they sold a rechargeable battery pack that was sold separately to keep the price down. So it slides in that slot and it's flush. But if you want to use a double A like a plebeian, oh. you actually have to jam. Put uh, it I did not know about that. Yeah, yeah. that's why. Well, and I was, as I alluded to, curious about the Wonderborg. The Wonderborg being a robotic insect that you attach to your Wonder Swan <laughs> and program to potentially kill people. I don't know, but like I saw it in the store, I was like, that okay, that's interesting. Game Boy doesn't have. It was for home security. Robotic insect. <laughs> no. And then, the, like, we, we talked about the Wonder I mean, Witch It, it makes of, sense, you know, with, with J- Japanese kids being so into bug fighting. Right, stag beetles yeah. and whatnot. But they wonder which, what is it exactly? It's, it's basically Neteroze. Yeah. Like a Neteroze. It's, it's, it's like a programming system that you can develop games for Wonder Swan on the... And was it expensive? Yeah. Uh, I think it was, like, 200 I think it was also one of those things that you couldn't just buy, like, it was the and year of starting to sign up. Right. And, yeah, you can, just, you can buy them now. I don't, think it was as, I don't think it was as, as exclusive as the Yaroze, mm. though. Yeah, no, it wasn't quite. But the fact that both those things came out okay. did kind of surprise me because this seemed like a weird, you know, just console weird to begin with, and then they got, it got weirder as it went on. I get the sense with Japan that a lot of things happen because people at the companies care about them and want to make them happen, and they go in weird directions because of that. Like, and that, that goes to the biggest and smallest companies. Like, you know, you can always look at the fact that, like, the PlayStation 3 has a really weird architecture because Kudaragi wanted it to, right? Like... That is decisions in Japan were made in weird ways, and someone at Bandai like really loved the idea of making this game system and trying to make it interesting and cool. And they, that's well, why. I mean, it's so... think about it. They had the opportunity to get the guy who made Game Boy on board with them to design them a handheld system that that would allow them to go up against Nintendo. Like that has to be appealing to someone to say, "Wow, here's the dude who made the most successful system in the handheld space." And he can do that for us. Do you have any knowledge about what made Yokoi leave Nintendo and join this I I really think, you know, like they did not give him a lot of love after Virtual Boy flopped. Right. Um, My understanding is he had a office things. Yeah, I mean, it was was basically he was sent off to Siberia. And then how And he just said, okay, well, I'm going to go do my own thing. And he started his own company. Yeah, and then how shortly after working on Wonderswan was he killed? I mean, he died before Wonderswan launched. Right. So I imagine. It, it was probably like a work in progress when he died. But, you know, he had put down the design foundation for it and for Gunpei. So, um, you know, R&D takes a while. So I'm sure that they finished the system without his input. I, I imagine they had to do that. Like he died in October 97, is that right? Or sometime around? And that was 97 for sure. Yeah, right. late 97. And the, the system launched in Japan in March 99. Yeah, so, so it lasted for like five years after his death. So yeah, that's pretty good. So. So it really is kind of his final legacy. And, you know, I feel like it really does fit with his uh, general philosophy of hardware design. We talked about this again in the Nintendo DS episode about um, his philosophy, you know, that the name translates to the lateral thinking with withered or seasoned technology, the idea that you take hardware that is uh, well-known and old and has been used a lot and is, a, you know, it's it's something people are familiar with so they can program for it and create for it easily. There are no surprises. They can get the most out of it and it costs very little because, you know, it's been in, it's been in production for a while and the scale of, the economy of scale has made it cheap. 
So for very little money, you can get a lot of output and create something appealing to people who don't necessarily have to be at the bleeding edge of technology, who just you know can create something easily with with well documented technology. And the WonderSwan was very definitely that. It was a very inexpensive system. It was incredibly battery efficient. Uh, even when it went up to the color version, uh, like it still ran a long time on just a AA battery. Um, and it, it had a lot of power. Like it, it, it was, you know, comparable at a, at a glance to Game Boy Advance. Like you would not look at a WonderSwan color game next to a GBA game and say, oh yeah, WonderSwan, what a piece of crap. Like I think it held up really well side by side with Nintendo's system. Um, but it was much cheaper. Like the WonderSwan Crystal, the highest level system, sold for eighty eight hundred yen, whereas the Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance was like what uh, one twenty nine at launch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, say yeah. 12, So like they they totally stomped Nintendo on price, just not necessarily in widespread support. If you weren't into Bandai licenses and Square Enix games or SquareSoft games at that point. Um, there wasn't really much to pull you into WonderSwan. And it was clear, like, I don't know what, exactly when, but after that initial barrage of support, the Square games dried up pretty well, abruptly. Well, they, they patched things up with the Nintendo. Yeah. I uh, mean, I'm not know. sure if those coincided or if they just didn't see a return on WonderSwan. And then, um, I think the writing was on the wall for WonderSwan. And I think about, a, you know, like a year after Game Boy Advance launched, it was pretty clear that Game Boy Advance was what everyone was buying. And Bandai started to back away from it. And... I remember, I remember when the uh, the Wonder Swan was announced to be discontinued. Um, it was early in 2003. Uh, Chris Kohler, who was staying in Japan, uh, had just sent me a Swan crystal. Like he bought one for me, and or I, you know paid him to buy one for me, and he sent it over to me. And I was like, "Yeah, cool. I'm going to play the new Mega Man games and stuff." Um, and I had just bought um, Dot Hack, the first volume of Dot Hack for PS2, which was by Bandai. And um, like that day, the the discontinuation was announced, and I got into the game, and there's like people talking on a message board in the game <laughs> about like future versions of the Wonder Swan and how it was like the coolest, nice. most popular system in the world. I was like, well, nice try, guys. Oh wow! So they localized Wonder Swan into the game. That, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's in the world. Yeah. Of- oh right. <laughs> yeah. So in in that fantasy alternate reality, I remember that. I like I like that Dot Hack now is nostalgic for me. Like oh god, isn't it right? Like well, Dot Hack started coming out in two thousand two. Yeah, like, so Dot, this is like a long time. Yeah, ago. Dot Hack is some straight up nostalgia retro yeah. for me right now. I I really would be curious to play those games beyond the first one. Like I never I'd be really. All it's Division Two. Yeah, it is. I didn't know there's seven. There's seven GU. Seven? Oh, I thought chapters. I thought G, I thought okay. GU is only three, but the yeah. first four it's diminishing returns. Yeah, they really do spread out. I, I kind of um, I kind of heard about that, but we should do it. I would love to do a dot hack retronauts. Is there any is there any appetite for that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, played I'd, through all four games. So whole cyber I, can I can I use some of our Patreon money to buy copies of the games to wow to play? That's an investment. Yeah, those are those are really expensive. The GU ones are like like enormously expensive too. Really? Yeah. For some reason, I have no idea why they're just because like the, the GU games didn't sell well they made fewer it was like a 2006 PS2 JRPG yeah. so I'm yeah. sure they made like five copies or whatever uh, I, I remember specifically getting them knowing that that was going to happen and, yeah. uh, I never played GU I've saved them for a rainy day when the game apocalypse happens and now that <laughs> Assassin's Creed Unity is out perhaps that, that is actually upon us it's end times yeah. people without faces I've seen them <laughs> So. But they have eyes. Like uh, that makes them creepier, actually. Um, I think when the yeah, pl- I, I would love, I would love to do a dot hack. But anyway. but when, when the plug got pulled on Wonder Swan, I don't think people were that surprised. No, 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 no. Like, again, was the writing was on the wall. I mean, GBA was was almost two years old by that point, and it was a big hit. I mean, everyone remembers the GBA. Like it was great. Like I, I mean, mean, it had there's there's qualms Wonders, about like, Wonder Swan yeah. was killed about. 
two or three months before Sony said, "Yeah, we're going to make a portable system." So change was in the air. Yeah, I mean, like it was it was a, it was a sign of the times. My first trip to Japan ever was the Space World, at which the GameCube and GBA were unveiled. And I remember when I walked up and played Game Boy Advance for the first time, I was like, "Yep, this is the thing Game Boy should have been." You finally made a device that doesn't make me want to die. <laughs> Thank you, Nintendo. great and like everyone flocked to it like I mean developers and players so that was just inevitable right so yeah I, I guess Wonderswan didn't really have a chance but I, I think it you know with international distribution it could have done pretty well for itself and be somewhat fondly regarded so I I'm, dream of I've, that I've always been sad that it never made its way to the US well, I also feel like those games are very much lost in time as you were saying like you, yeah. you saw they're almost impossible to even find I remember footage when I, of actually that day that I you know that day that trip where I started buying Wonderswan games I had in my head a few Wonderswan games I wanted because I'd been following the system but like in the end, I don't actually know. There's, there's got to be hidden, weird, cool games out there. Yeah, like I like Dicing Night for sure. Like you know, I, I wrote a Wonder Swan retrospective about six months ago and started reading around. Like, what are some of the things that Wonder Swan and diehards really love? There were a bunch of games I'd never heard of, and I would love to play them if they weren't seven or eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's is it's, there an emulator? Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's an emulator. Um, I'm not a fan of emulation though, so... I'm a fan of playing games that I otherwise probably couldn't... Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but, you know, I, I like I like to play on the original hardware when I can. And yeah, for sure. Some of that's going to be a little difficult on Wonderswan. We can never know this, but I really want to know what they would have called it in America. I really want to know, like, what that would have been called here. There's no way it would have been the Wonderswan. No. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, impossible. Dreamcast, maybe that would fly, but not Wonderswan... Right, because Dreamcast evokes you know like vague positive mm-hmm. things, whereas yeah, like, Dream Wonder Broadcast. Swan evokes. Yeah. yeah, do we know like where Wonder Swan comes from? Like why? Do I we, don't know. I like almost wonder if it's like this was uh, Yokoi's swan song. Well, like, I, I really have to no me. Idea. I think like the, the sleekness and the yeah, sort the, of, like, the, 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 the graceful yeah. curves. I think it's just like it's like swan like, which is like mm-hmm. you know positive. Japanese people have a tendency to understand the literal d- dictionary definition of English words they use, and but think the context all wrong because. That's obvious. They don't, right. you know, and it. Yeah, I saw a girl uh, wearing like a uh, shirt saying um, like Philadelphia Special Olympics. When That's I was not there. really what I mean. I was like, oh, the, right. no, the dictionary definition of that is great, but you know, there's <laughs> context. <laughs> I see what you mean. Like, yeah, I, like it's the same. Like, like PlayStation to go back to it, it doesn't sound weird in New York. It's like it's like a pillar of the gaming industry, but. You know, the idea was, like, it's a PlayStation instead of a workstation. That, that actually sounded really strange at this time. Right, like, mm-hmm. Wonder Swan, the cadence of it is kind of fun and exciting, I guess, to say. I like the name. It's my favorite bad system name, if that's, like, a thing. I mean, <laughs> More so it. than FM Towns Marty, or... FM, FM Towns Marty is my favorite. Pippin Atmark. <laughs> FM Towns by Fairchild channel channel Fairchild Channel F is also pretty good. Yeah, fair... If only because I can't say it. Fairchild Channel F is good. But Wonder Swan is especially crazy. I mean, it really is. It's it's pretty out there. And that's why Wonder Borg when combined with the swan. The swan and the Borg. Yeah. Just like a robotic swan. That's all I get. And my, Wonder my Witch. Head. That's a great Wonder too. Witch. We are the Swan Borg. Resistance is futile. Feed a spread. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking, I think of a, a robotic swan, you know, someone throwing bread at it. Wow. That's what I think of when I think of Wonder Swan. A robot okay. duck. Okay. That's strange. What else would you think of? I don't know. Swan Borg? That's what I'm adding to this conversation. Okay. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I do question if you're ever going to cover the game.com because 
in a way, it is America's crazy bastard handheld. Just putting that out there. And I, I was, before we started taping, saying that I once played Castlevania Symphony of the Night on Game.com. Yeah, I think A3. we should do a micro episode on Game.com. I think 10 minutes of conversation is about right. It has, so. two, yeah. car- it has two cartridge slots, and you can check your email. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that one sometime. But um, That's a 10-minute yeah, guy. Yeah, for sure. So um, anyway, yeah, th- I guess that's, um, there's probably not much more to say about these systems. I feel no. like... Uh, neither one could necessarily support a full episode on its own, but, you yeah, know. They kind of belong together in a weird time capsule. They do. Action. I mean, they they really are, like, two very different attakes, very different attempts to take on Nintendo uh, and, and best them at their own game. And I think they were both good efforts that suffered from an intrinsic flaw, which may have been, you know, just corporate support. Um, yeah, it's really hard to become a game company that supports two systems in SNK's case. Like now, you have to do two, and like in Bonnet, it's just it's ask like, Genesis or Sega in the uh, the Genesis era. It's hard to become a first party. You know, it's just like it's 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 challenging. Like there's a reason that companies struggle at it. Like, yep. so, but uh, you know, they they put their best foots, best feet, best foots, whatever forward, and um, came up with some systems that I really like. I'm I'm happy to own. Both consoles, and you know, take them out from time to time and play them. Yeah. And um, well, and I think they're both also interesting because they're visually interesting. If you pull out a blue camo Neo Geo Pocket Color, or just the weird shape of the Wonder Swan, it's kind of yeah, like, like it's a bar yeah. dial soap. Yeah, it's like Irish you know, Spring, whatever. Someone had a unique point of view, and I'm glad they exist. So yeah. Yep. Systems that would never exist in a modern day. So that's that's exactly why we talk about things. I really miss this era. I'm trying to divorce myself from nostalgia, but like 90, 90, 2001, just so weird and strange and beautiful. And I don't know. So, Bob, I had a thing for you, and if you saw it uh, this year, uh, Amazon has launched many platforms. They just have this thing called the Echo. Have you seen it? It looks like a no. trash can, <laughs> but it's like Siri, but it's like a trash can that's Siri, and you ask it questions. It's, it's like a Wikipedia you ask questions to. It just got announced like last week. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. Like it's what I work with described it as like it's like the jitterbug phone. If you've seen that phone for old people, that's like three oh, okay. buttons. It's like that, but Siri. Wow, wow. <laughs> so if you want something weird, you can buy the. Can Amazon. you download Oscar's voice into it to talk to you? Maybe I want that. You should buy the Amazon <laughs> Echo. It's the new Wonder Swan. Wow, <laughs> it's not the new Wonder Swan. All right, so there is hopefully, no new Swan. hopefully everyone loved our little discussion of these portable systems. Maybe maybe you guys will go out and buy some blister pack blister blister packs. Man, I cannot talk today. Full of uh, Neo Geo games and uh, oh yeah, one all thing. in love uh, anew. At both por- uh, sorry, at both retro gaming expos I've been to recently, lots of vendors have just, have just had boxes of Neo Geo Pocket Color games for like a dollar each, just like a giant box yeah. filled to the brim with Neo Geo Pocket Color games. So if you're in the market for these, they're incredibly cheap. Yeah, so do it, play them, fall in love, experience alternate history, the history that you missed. It's it's actually pretty good. Anyway, so that was it for this episode of Retronauts. As usual, you can find us on usgamer.net. You can also find us at retronauts.com. You can find us on Twitter at Retronauts, YouTube, um, Tumblr, um, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can leave notes for us or reviews for us on iTunes. It's fun. You can also leave money for us on Patreon. That's even more fun. Wait, how do people get there? They go to Retronauts – or no, sorry, patreon.com slash retronauts. Hmm. Very exciting. Very straightforward. We don't want to make things too confusing for anyone. Um, as for our guests, you can find us here. Let's see. I'm on Twitter and websites and stuff. GameSpite. Um, yeah. It's gamer. <laughs> it's good. You can find me on Gamasutra or on Twitter at Ferricide, F-E-R-R-I-C-I-D-E. Or I'm also on the Tiny Cartridge Tinycast. If you actually, for some reason, listen to me, 
talking and enjoyed it, uh, you can get more of that at tinycartridge.com. You can find me on Twitter at Shane Watch. And I am on Twitter as Bob Serbo, and I also write for US Gamer and Something Awful, so please check those out. And I guess that is everything. So thanks as always for listening. Hope you're feeling like you're getting your money's worth if you're one of our Patreon supporters, and thank you for that. And we will be back soon with more things that are not new.